0: Everybody have a Bible today? Yes. If you do, if you're new with us, you probably, you may not, you may or may not, but uh, if you do have one, go ahead and turn with me uh, to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11. I've been teaching a series, now, when I was last with you, a, t- a series called Getting Over It. All right? Getting Over It. If you have an it in your life that needs done, gotten over, then uh, this is revelation, this is truth, this will be helpful for you to not live under it, but to get over it. I'm talking about living an overcoming life. And so today I want to begin with the, the two verses we have previously been beginning with. And I want to have you read this out loud with me together. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, say it with me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So he gives us, I recommend making that personal. Take this personally. All right. He gives me the victory. Whenever you face an obstacle, this is a good word to get in your mouth. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse 14. Now, say it with me. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So again, key words there, always. He always leads us in triumph. So no matter what comes your way, get this word in your mouth and say, well, I'm coming up, I'm coming out. I will overcome because that's the way God is leading me. He's leading me into a victorious outcome. Amen. Amen. Now, just a quick uh, review of things we've said so far, even though we've said it in a number of weeks. I said to live an overcoming life, you must, number one, make God your source. Make God your source. If I'm looking to a human being, I'm going to get human results. That's going to be the lid on my victorious experience. It's whatever you can produce. But if I'm looking to the Lord, He is where I seek help. I get God-level results, and that's way better. Secondly, it is important, it is necessary to refuse to fear. Fear is what invites bondage. If I'm afraid of going down, afraid of remaining in a condition that I'm in, I strengthen it, I empower it. All right, but we must resist fear. And then number three, we said that we must control our tongue. If I am going to live an overcoming life, I must have overcoming words coming out of my mouth. I cannot overcome with my life while I am defeated in my words, in the, in the things that I say. Now, I know I've taken a couple of weeks Already on this third point, the last time I was teaching, the Lord really helped us and ruined my message, so I couldn't complete it and move on to the number, the fourth thing. And so I'm going to complete that today, I believe. (laughs) You might recall that James, uh, who wrote the book of James, Uh, what would you call your book? Uh, James taught us, that we control our entire lives by the words we speak. Our mouth or our tongue controls our whole life. Just that principle right there would make us, would make any smart person say, if I gotta, if I gotta learn anything, if I gotta get a grip on anything in my life, it's gotta be my mouth. Because I am never going to succeed continually and permanently if I am saying the wrong things. That's a spiritual law and principle that we cannot just brush off or overcome through some other way. If someone said, well, I have a good heart, that's that's wonderful. I'm glad you have a good heart, meaning motive and, you know, intent and so forth. But if you have a good heart and a foul mouth, you're going to lose. That problem is going to overcome you. Amen. It's going to... Uh, be an issue in your life on a permanent level. And so with the heart to do God's will, say what you want to do. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to have? What do you want to have victory over? In that area, say it. I have a heart to serve God, and this is what I want. What, what, here's what I mean by that. Uh, Desires can sometimes be a problem. Wrong desires can lead people to go the wrong direction. We call wrong desires temptation. I'm tempted to do this. Uh, And nowadays, people they go, they, they really mess their lives up by identifying with a temptation and saying, Because I want this, I am this. As a Christian, we never do that. Okay, I am who he says I am. I am what God declares me to be. So if I want something different from what he declares, I am not going to embrace the desire as being the definition of my life. No, my desires can change, and they can change specifically if we get God's word in our mouth. Hallelujah, okay? And so you may have wrong desires, but you want to not want them. Desires can change. If I want to not want them, then I begin to activate the power of words that affect my own being. Okay, for, for, for example, I say to the Lord, I will to do your will. Now, sometimes my body wants to do my will. Did your body ever tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes my body wants to do my will, not his will. But by faith, I say, I desire you, your will, your plan, your ways for my life. That's me using the mouth that God gave me to steer my my life in a direction that's godly, that's right, and that I really want, okay? I can uh, overcome various things by saying it. I want sexual purity. I want it. Say, well, my body doesn't want that. My body wants lots of things, then say the opposite. Say what God's will is and say, I want this, this is who I am. Everybody with me? All right. You can say, I am free from nicotine. You can even say it in between puffs. Some people won't say it until they literally have no. Physical desire for it. But that's not how faith works. We say it while we're going, oh, I need a drag <laughs> or whatever people say. <laughs> say it. it. I am free from the power of nicotine over my body. Come on. You say it. Your words are, are spiritual principles that are going to work to bring God's will about in your life. Amen. You'll, there'll come a point Maybe it happens quick, but it doesn't matter. But there'll come a point where you'll look at that thing and say, what am I doing? I don't even want this. You will have changed your desires with your words. You can say things uh, like, alcohol has no hold on me. When you're shaking, wanting that next drink? I am free from this. And if you have to say it between drinks, say it. Say it. Don't wait. Don't wait to feel it. Say it first. This is the principles of God's words. Amen. Amen. I control my my eating. I don't struggle with food. You can say it. Amen. Walking into the buffet. (laughs) You can say, I make wise financial decisions. What What I'm trying to communicate is we typically say the opposite. I struggle, I make poor financial decisions all the time. Stop cussing! Stop cursing your finances and your life. Say, no. Oh, the wisdom of God is in me. I have a sound mind and disciplined decision making. I control my spending. Some are shopaholics and, they say, and you can say the op- opposite of that. In other words, I need to have getting over it words if I'm not going to have a getting over it life. I can't travel one direction with my life and a different direction with my mouth. So we're going to let our mouth lead in the way we should go. Praise God. Did you find the book of Mark, chapter 11? Mark, chapter 11. This is a very famous verse. I recommend highlights for your Bible if they're not already there. Mark 11 and verse 23. Jesus speaking here. He says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Did Jesus really just say what I think he said? that we could have or would have whatever we what say. whatever we say and so way before James ever taught this principle about turning a ship around with the little rudder being your tongue Jesus made this spiritual kingdom eternal principle known to his disciples and he and he told them that you get to use your words to move mountains. Now, the mountain in our context would be our it that we're talking about. Overcoming it would be a mountain. And if that's true, then it's clear that speaking to the problem would be required for its removal. How I many know speaking about a problem is different than speaking to a problem? Many have become experts in describing negative circumstances, burdens they have, bondages they, they're afflicted with. Many are experts and they can describe the problem. In fact, if any symptom comes up, physical symptom, they get on the internet to search it out so they can quickly and definitively describe, I have a. You all are quiet on that one. So is that wrong to do? That does not get rid of it, I'll tell you that. It does not make it go away. But speaking to a problem is what Jesus taught, not just speaking about it. Uh, amen. In other words, let me say it this way. Talking about the problem is a big problem and is different than talking to it. Jesus said, whoever will speak to this mountain. Now, this principle that Jesus taught here, it works for good or evil. You can add add bad things to your life or add good things to your life. You can empower darkness or open yourself up to light through this, this, this method. Now, prior to Jesus making this statement, and we can walk slowly through that. There's such rich revelation in it. But prior to him making this statement he ended a fig tree by talking to it. And so this verse that is very well known is him dealing with his disciples about to potentially make a mess of what he just did because they could only see the outside. Now, uh, when he did that and, and ended this fig tree, he didn't follow up the statement with, and don't try this at home. He did not say, this is, by the way, I'm the son of God. I am Jesus, and don't you be messing with these kind of things. You're supposed to just stand back in awe of what I've just done, but don't try it on for yourself. No, just the opposite. In fact, he not only did it, he then explained how he did it so that others could do it too. In other words, God's not insecure. (laughs) <laughs> and Jesus wasn't, wasn't concerned about the disciples uh, doing something that might draw attention to them and they might experience their own victories, you know, without his aid. Amen. He told them, this is how I did that. And I recommend you do it too. Amen. And so back up a few verses uh, to verse 12. And we'll see what happened. It, it, it reads, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, uh, he was... Hungry, Now, why was Jesus hungry? Uh, Probably because he hadn't eaten for a while. Why do you get hungry? (laughs) But what it does show is that what he did here, he did it as a man anointed by the Spirit of God, not as God in a man's body. Everybody with me? Many people, they read Jesus and they say, oh, but that was Jesus. He got hungry. What drove him to this tree that we're about to read about? Hunger. What drives you to do certain things? Hunger. You're just, you sound a lot like Jesus. He was hungry, okay? And so, again, he didn't do this as God. He did it as man. Even though he was God, he did it as a man. Verse, verse uh, 13, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it, which also indicates that he's not functioning as God because God would have known God knows all. Jesus, functioning as a man, says, look, fig tree. Let's go see if there's fruit. So he's operating in in human uh, abilities here. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So it's evident, even if, you're not an expert in fig trees or leaves or seasons or any of that, that the, it's evident that because Jesus saw leaves, there should have been figs, even though they were out of season. In other words, the leaves were saying, I have figs, I have figs, I have figs, right? Otherwise, he would have said, I'm not going to that tree. It's not even fig season. But the leaves declared the figs. I mean, oh, there could be a side message in that. Are you all leaf <laughs> and no fig? If we see you from a distance, do we say, Christian, 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 and then we get up close and go, oh, no fruit. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus removed the fig tree, so <laughs> God's not real favorable towards leaf without fruit. Come on, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) So they they did this and Jesus went and and the disciples heard it. So this wasn't a private thing. Jesus quietly speaking to the fig tree, didn't want anyone to hear. I don't know if he did it so they would hear it, or they just happened to be there and they heard it. But the fact that they heard it kind of set up a situation where I'm going to have to explain this, right? Because how many know? Peter is going to watch Jesus. What he did to the fig tree? How many know he's going to try this? Right, Right? he's the one to step out of the boat. Right, walk on water. He's he's the one that speaks a word from God. Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and then yields to the devil the next minute. So, you know, that's Peter, and he's watching. Jesus is probably thinking, I'm going to have to clean this up. (laughs) (laughs) Peter is about to go to the vineyard. (laughs) And, And and so verse 22. Verse 22, uh, no, verse 20, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have, which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In other words, because Peter saw you cursed the fig tree and now it is dried up from the roots, It, it killed it from the root up, Uh, Jesus said, okay, okay, hey, this is how this works. Let me tell you how I did this. And then he says, this is verse 22, have faith in God. That's pretty consistent with how most translations render that phrase. And I think it's because the true rendering doesn't make sense to some theology, okay? The literal way that that is in the Greek, it is not faith in God, but faith of God. He said, have faith of God. And you can see that that that's would be a correct rendering because Jesus didn't go pray about the tree. He didn't discuss the, the, the tree problem, the, the, the figless tree problem with his father. Oh, father, you see what this evil fig tree has done to me. Left me hungry. And, no, there's no prayer involved there. There's no him saying, father, I'm just trusting you to remove this tree from the face of the planet. No, So so when he said have faith in God, literally the the Greek language, have faith of God or God's faith or function like God does, have the God kind of faith is his explanation in how he did it. And again, remember, he didn't say, but you can't do this. He said, I'm telling you how this worked so you can do it. And so then he went into his, his mountain expose and said, if you say to this mountain, If, when you say to this mountain, you believe the things that you say will happen, you'll have whatever you say. That's what he did to the fig tree. He said it. Now, uh, someone might be listening, and you may have, uh, many have heard this before, and many have not heard this before, and you might question me and say, are you saying that all I have to do is tell my problem? to go away and it will Now listen what I'm saying is not my words I didn't come up with this Don't attribute it to me Well the pastor said the pastor was quoting Jesus I'm just saying these are Jesus words. So if we ever we question it and say, "Ah, oh, that sounds too easy," it sounds too simplistic. It sounds like you know whatever you, however you want to describe it. I'm telling you, Jesus said these things. These are these are the red letters. Yeah, he said this. Okay, but then secondly, what Jesus said about speaking, what I believe what he was endeavoring to communicate to his disciples and then to us was that the words were backed by something. They saw him speak, but then he explained, here's what you didn't see. In my heart, I believed that when I spoke to that fig tree, that it would do exactly what I say. So he's, I think, distinguishing between flippant words, casually just saying or repeating what someone else might say and thinking it's just like a, almost like a magic word, like a, you know, like like a, a magic formula or something. And if you just say these words and then people can get real heady with this and say, okay, if I have a sickness, I say this sentence. If I have financial problems, I say this sentence. And if I have emotional trouble, then I say this sentence. No, that is not how this works. This is about knowing something inside about believing that when you speak, exactly what you say will come to pass. That means you can't just say anything and everything. Well, I'm just gonna say that I'm, I'm gonna be on the moon by next week. <laughs> well, you don't believe that. You know you don't believe that, so you don't say things like that. Well, I believe that I'm gonna win the lottery. Well, you don't believe that. You, you're greedy and you want that. You don't truly believe it, so don't say it. Amen. Come (laughs) on, that's right. Hallelujah. What do I mean? Don't people? Christians will say, "Well, yeah, I've the Lord's given me this lottery." He is not. (laughs) Now, if He literally spoke to you, I guess that's His prerogative. Then, uh, then, then you can believe that. But because He didn't, you can't believe that. So don't say it. Don't say flippant things that you don't believe because when you do need to believe your words, you need to believe your words. And so I don't want to just throw things out and just become a a blabbermouth and I'm just saying all these things. No, I want to save it. I want to be precise and accurate with my words. So when there's a mountain that needs to be sea bound, that I believe that when I talk, game over. And so not being flippant with the tongue is, is, is huge. I cannot be loose with my lips at other times in life and then speak words of faith when problems arise. So the goal is I, I, I'm not a different person when I'm praying than when I'm living. Okay, so you could see how uh, being a liar would totally ru- ruin this. I mean, you know, people who lie are spiritual wimps. If you don't tell the truth all the time, you are, you are so stinking wimpy spiritually. What makes a spiritual wimp? You don't believe the things that you say will come to pass. And if I'm not saying things that I know to be true, then my words don't have, have any substance behind them. Everybody with me? Okay, so I'm saying we're the same person, not just in church. In church, we praise the Lord. In church, we tell the truth, hopefully. Uh, Tell the truth. But then in business, sometimes you shade it, you know, because it favors you or you shade things to make yourself look better. You're ruining your faith when you do that. Undermining your power to remove fig trees, mountains, and so forth. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Be a full-time faith talker. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How, how many know if you eat pizza and ice cream all week you can't fix it with a salad on Saturday, just erased it, and then get on the scale the next day, I don't understand it, I gained four pounds and I had a salad, or I ate four cheeseburgers, three large fries, an onion ring, a milkshake, but I erased it with a Diet Coke. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't really work that way. And neither does, you know, speaking a, a, a strong scripture, quoting God at church on Sunday. Well, I quoted those two verses with the rest of the church. Yeah, that's great. Do that tomorrow. Yeah. And do that every day. And not only that, don't compromise with your words in other times. Okay. And so how would you, how would you know if someone really believed the things that they, that they said? But here's how you would know because they would happen. Are you saying, I'm not saying Jesus said that? Don't be putting this on me. You talk to the Lord, He's the one who said this. And so He is right. Now, Jesus not only did this here, how I many you know He did this? We have examples of other times He used this principle right in the Bible. Now, we only have a few examples because. John said if you wrote everything down that he did, you wouldn't have enough books in the world to contain it. He did so much. We have a small sampling. But we have enough to show us that what Jesus did here was not a random event. It's not a one-time event. In fact, one day, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. All right? You might think he'd be happy about that, but he wasn't. I'm just kidding. You might even think later he might deny the Lord because of... No. uh, But Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. (laughs) In Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, here's what what happened with Jesus. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon is Peter. Uh, But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made requests of him concerning her. So he stood over her and prayed about her healing and said, Oh, Father, she suffers greatly. This fever is 103. And she can't. No, no. He stood over her and did what? He rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. He rebuked. That sounds like the same type of thing he did with the fig tree. He he talked of fig trees that were non-fruitful. The same way he talked of fevers. He, what did he do? He rebuked it. What does that look like? I don't know. I can imagine. Maybe he said, fever, I rebuke you. Could have said that. Or he could have said, fever, get from her. He could have said a number of things that way. But it was a rebuke of the fever. You say, well, Did the fever hear him? I mean, did he think that like, the fever like had ears and he could, it would hear him? Well, what happened after that? It left. So apparently, fevers hear. Yeah. If that fever heard, are, do fevers today still hear? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's extrapolate then. What else can hear? Apparently, fig trees have ears. Apparently, mountains can hear. Apparently, fi- you know, fevers can hear. I wonder if cancer can hear. I wonder if depression can hear. I wonder if a blood disease could hear. What about your other body parts? Can they hear? Can your bones hear you? Can your skin hear you? Can your eyes hear you? Can your deaf ears hear you? Yes. Come on. Yes? Because deafness is a condition. Can't. I mean, name it. This is a principle Jesus taught. He told him he did it. And he explained how he did it. So others could do it. That's why I say. Go one direction with my life, and another direction with my words. I can't be just saying, "Oh, fever, fever, great art thou, art thou, you mighty fever." No, I have to say, "No, absolutely, not, I'm going to resist this fever. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Fig tree, you're toast. You're never producing fruit again after you lie into me like that. All right. And so these are the things that we should learn of how Jesus used his faith to get what he wants. Is everybody okay with that verbiage? No, I'm all about God's will. Yes, we are not talking contrary to God's will. All this is God's will. Yes, right. I'm not talking about, and some will, some may hear this, and I want you to not hear it this way. Don't hear it through religious len, uh, lenses. <laughs> That'd be seeing. Uh, but like we're, we're bossing God around. Some have been, been taught that. You can't tell what God what to do. We 100% are not. We're doing what He said. We're imposing His will through the, the principles and laws of the kingdom that He instructed us to use. If He said, your word controls your life, your, your words, then when I use my words for my benefit or your benefit, I'm submitted to God. God. Now, if I'm spouting off things that are just, I don't believe them, and you don't believe them, and just crazy stuff, they're not based in God's Word, that's just me. I'm operating apart from Him, and that's not what I'm recommending. Hallelujah. And so, we have become, many of us, conditioned and, and experts in rebuking people. <laughs> I have no experience whatsoever in rebuking problems. And I recommend if you're going to be an overcomer in life go beyond human wisdom go beyond natural understanding take God up at his word and say I'm going to use Mark 11:23 on this problem and I'm going to send it packing. Amen. Hallelujah. If I could sum up let me say it this way this would be my recommendation for you this week and weeks beyond. Number one, don't talk the problem. Don't speak, don't have problems in your mouth. Don't describe your problems continually to so many people. Say, is there ever a time I could talk about my problem? If it's intentional and it's limited, meaning I may talk to you about my problem if I want you to help me or to pray with me, to stand with me or to give me advice or something. But if I'm doing that with a couple of close people to me, that's one thing. But if next week and the month after I'm still doing it, I just I'm just wanting attention. Okay? So, it's intentional and it's limited, it's not continual, it's not on social media. It's not declaring problems, we speak answers. We speak victory. I've got to have victory in my mouth to be victorious in my life. Number two, meditate on the power of your words. Meditate on the power of your words. Uh, and what a, a way to do that would be to take a scripture. Well, we've used quite a few, but Mark eleven twenty three 23 that we use today, read that. Read it like a hundred times. And look up other translations. Read it in that translation too. And, and as you're reading it, Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Ask him to show you. Ask him to speak to you. Let it become so real and powerful. And you recognize: wow, God has invested a lot in my mouth. Let him help you with this. Meditate on the power of your words. And then number three, your gun is loaded. You are ready to go. Number three, speak to your mountain. All right, again, not magnifying the mountain, not saying, oh, mighty mountain, meaning, oh, mighty problem. Oh, how great thou art, this mighty disease and condition. No, the Lord is more powerful. God is greater. Jesus' blood is more powerful. Amen. And I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. I'm going to speak to my mountain. I'm going to declare it to be banished from my life. Amen. And this is how we overcome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There are so many other scriptures. Again, I could, we could do a series just on that, but this is just a part of a series because it's part of the overcoming life. But the, you know, the book of Proverbs even tells us that, that we are snared by the words of our mouths. Now that snare, that, that, that right there is talking about giving your word like, on a, like, like co-signing. Like if, if you say, I'm taking out a loan and they say they won't give me a loan, but if you put your name on it, they'll give me the loan. It's a warning against that, saying, slow down, doggie. <laughs> Don't you be quick to be putting your guarantee on someone else's loan like that. You could get in trouble. That's where he says, watch the words of your mouth. So your words are your commitment. Your words are saying, this is my life. I'm going to back this up. He's saying, watch out. Your words will snare you. They will bind you. They will be a hindrance. Or we can speak words of life. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Well, let's just take a moment. Would you wait on the Lord with me? Father, thank you. Hallelujah.